Hi, you're listening to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively brings insights from the Indian space activities ecosystem. I'm your host Narayan, the co-founder of India's first space-focused think tank, Spaceport Sarabhai. Guests on the New Space India podcast help you understand space activities related macro and micro trends within India in all aspects including space history, local industry, space science, technology evolution, law and policy, art and more. The New Space India podcast is supported by Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to enable sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium scale enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellites. Hi and welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. Today we have here Gunjan who is one of the co-founders of Tatya Earth startup that is based out of Mumbai. So Gunjan, thank you so much for taking the time and recording this episode with me and welcome to the show. Thank you Narayan, thank you for having me here. So let's begin with a little bit of the origin story of your founding team itself. You guys have a very interesting background and the way you've stepped into the geospatial applications domain, it's very interesting to see non-space people always come into the space sector. So I would say for the benefit of the audience, it would be very interesting to know what you guys' background are and how you came across this domain of geospatial analytics and insights and how that led to then. Okay, okay. So we have to go pretty back back then. Let me introduce the founding team and our background a little bit. And I think from A to Delete and how it led to the genesis of the idea and the company we so myself and Naresh we are the technical folks in our team so our background is predominantly in analytics data science and machine learning and software engineering and Nikit and Himanshu they are they are they look after the sales and business development side of the business at this point of time now with regards to how we look at our space we don't think of ourselves as a space tech or space related startup as such we are uh, we are in the commodities business we provide insights on the supply chain of commodities so i think a closer description would be we are an analytics company wherein we provide real-time intelligence on supply chain of commodities satellite images happen to be one of the good sources of data that we use for our insights and this combined with other data sources like shipping data or bill of ladings etc combined they form a good data sources for us on which we run our algorithms to provide intelligence on the supply chain of commodities so this is how we look look at how we describe ourselves now coming to how the genesis of the idea was formed uh, now being from a analytics background so i was working with a company called money control I was leading their data science and analytics team and at Money Control we used to work with a lot of economic data and I think one of the constant sources of one of the constant discussion points with our research team was that most of the economic data they used to come with a lot of lag and in some countries or certain economies the data was not even correct and it used to be revised multiple times and at that point of time itself when there's a lot of explosion in terms of new and alternative data sources 
and satellite data being one of them. We uh, So it triggered my mind whether we can look at this other alternative data sources to study different types of economic activities that are happening on the ground and then predict or measure those economic indicators which are at this point of time derived through, through human surveillance published by the uh, companies themselves or industries themselves. When we were looking at that, we saw some a uh, lot of examples where researchers were working on satellite images to look at poverty levels in sub-Saharan African areas, to look at how the policy decisions of World Bank were impacting. So I think that is the first time where we came across satellite data and its application. And then I really thought if we could look at every point of the earth every, every day, it could lead to a lot of other applications. And in our case, we knew from our experience when it comes to economic data or economic information, there were some gaps in the type of data that we were getting. And that is where we started our journey to you know, looking at satellite data and measuring different kind of economic activities. So when I say economic activities, now again, that's a very huge space. So when we had to make business sense or we started speaking to more people and then soon realized that we have to focus on one particular industry or one particular genre and then we started focusing on the metal and mining industry and in particular on commodities so at this point of time we we monitor supply chain of commodities like steel iron uh, coal copper aluminum etc and cater to well industries be it metal producers physical traders financial institutes all around the world and the core still remains the same which is to monitor in near real time supply chain of different kinds of commodities yeah, yeah. So that, that is basically how we came to form this, form the company, and got into the using and got into using satellite data. Yeah, that's very interesting, and obviously, I think there's a lot of space for people like you who realize that there's a lot of power in using satellite to help other industries and stepping into the space tech from a SaaS-oriented business model to come into the sector to create a lot of value. That is definitely a lot of presence in there. So from the time that stepped away from money control and maybe your colleagues as well from their own journeys mm -hmm. starting, what is the approach that you probably took to validate the idea? Because obviously sitting out of India, I think the space that you are in with all this economic tracking mm -hmm. and so on, the end users may often also not be as mature in India as other countries because I guess even in the metals and minerals industry there's a lot of players in US in Singapore and many other countries so the customer base for you like many other companies as well maybe 95% of the market is outside of India to a large extent so how do you deal with assessing product market fit and doing a lot of customer discovery in the early stages, like sitting out of India? And is that a very big challenge? Yeah. So the way we went about doing customer discovery at the beginning was, I think we spoke to a lot of, we reached out to a lot of uh, you know, people from the via LinkedIn or other sources who are connects, common friends. And you are right, most of them are not in India. So for our industry, we started off with Paris steel supply chain. And majority of the trading fraternity, mining companies, all their headquarters are in Singapore. Most of their headquarters are in Singapore. And when we started off, it was just the beginning of the pandemic. So around 2020 beginning and by April, obviously everything shut down. I think in the beginning, in 2020, it helped us a little because what has happened was 
most people had some downtime they were opening to discussing new ideas so so the, as i said we use multiple channels right we cold email cold call we cold messaged them on linkedin through our advisors we connected with people so i think the primary focus of the first year of our business was to two things correctly first was to talk to as many users as possible and to validate the problem statement and second was to build the out of all the products possible that we could build built one product which could solve which would be the most impactful for the industry so we talked to many many companies right starting small large and try to gauge the interest levels to the type of products that we thought would be interesting to them now even when you do that there are this difference between say just asking so if you can ask whether this would be useful to you whether you will buy they buy it so sometimes the answers could be very positive but when it actually comes to buying and paying that is when you know the where the real worth of the data or product is we got a lot of positives so it was only around 2021 when we started actually you know beta testing the data with our customers and initially itself i think some of the large publication houses like ihs markets they picked up our data they validated our information they published it in their reports and which created a lot of buzz or credibility for us at the initial stages and we got then from there we picked we got picked up by other very reputed publications and they published our data so that sort of created a credibility for the information or data that we are publishing and from that from our discussions that we have started around 2020 onwards beginning onwards we knew what kind of clients that we should go after so end of so mid of 2021 is when we started selling subscriptions or providing subscriptions of our data to our clients and yeah so the journey has been good from there so this year we have been able we have been able to partner with some of the large 1400 companies also most of them based out of some of them based out of singapore some of them based out of london and some in singapore some in switzerland yeah so the journey has been long but i think the the learning curve has also been steep in our case because that industry itself is not very matured in india so it was a lot of reaching out to people and and yeah and you are right having being being present in the same geography as our clients is very important last year was the first time that we actually went out after all the lockdowns got over so we visited singapore we met all of our clients so all of our clients are basically in the same 500 square meter in the same it's in a small vicinity all of them are located so it creates a very different kind of vibe you get to know him and the sales process is very different i think when we can meet your clients face to face rather than doing it only on the on a zoom call or a teams call so that creates a difference and and because of that i think next year onwards we also want to have a presence a permanent presence in singapore so that we can meet our clients more more often face to face and uh, so that creates a lot of difference actually in the sales cycle and so what would be very interesting to know is what kind of impact you believe that you are creating for your customers because always i think in any of these kinds of interesting business models or all decision intelligence i know insights about an industry yeah it all comes down to value capture then depends on the return on investment that a lot of the enterprises are making on such tools right so have you guys done any kind of analysis on before you guys providing them these kind of data and these kinds of intelligence 
that their business was affecting X. And now because of this, you are able to prove to them that you're creating an impact that is X. That is Y. And that's how you're able to then build a business case around. No, in a product like ours, where we provide intelligence, it's very difficult to assign a specific numbers. But I can give anecdotes or examples to prove or to say how uh, that we are creating value for our customers. What happens is basically we provide sets of information, right? And the company or the client combines it with other information sources to to make decisions. Now, that is dependent on a number of factors. It depends on what the kind of information that we are giving. It depends on the person and the analyst who is making that call. And it also depends what kind of other information they have. So combined all together, they make a call to say they make a business decision. Now, two anecdotes of whether we have been able to provide positive impact on the business. Say there are a couple of examples, right? There are customers, large customers who when we started off, say beginning of this year, they started off very with very small packages. Let me monitor only India or let me monitor only Southeast Asia. So they did that for around six, seven or seven, eight months. So the amount of value they saw, then they came back and said, no, now I want to monitor the entire world. Give me data for China, give me data for Australia, give me data for Europe. So that created that flywheel or the initial trust. This data is useful. They are able to take, they are able to make business calls. They are able to make profits. I have entered into multi-year contracts now from the initial results. And it's not just one client. It has happened with two other clients where from the initial results, they have been able to create enough confidence. They have been able to show enough ROI to their business stakeholders so that they can take a larger, much larger case in the subsequent years. So those are some of the examples that we see where I think it proves that we have been able to create impact, but it's still difficult, I think, at this point of time to quantify how much would it, that impact would be. And that depends on a number of factors for the industry. Yeah, I can definitely understand your perspective on that. And obviously that's always a challenge yeah. to look at it as a whole in terms of the impact from a standpoint of data availability and the sources and all of the sources that you would want to use to build your data sets to be able to drive these things obviously you mentioned about how the demand for your services has been increasing as people adopt this and the geographical area of interest is increasing and the kind of customers are also diversifying what is your review of existing sources in the industry and are they sufficient? And it'll be very interesting to know if you see a market for absorbing commercial data in different bands or different sources as well. Mm -hmm. What are the main themes of a lot of the earth observation systems, commercial ones, new space ones have been around is that, that they are going to empower people like you to make better services is the price what will be also interesting to know is your thesis around free data and commercial data and in commercial data how easy is it to absorb their prices and their mm. if their performance is good and mm. any insights around it would be really nice to yeah. hear yeah that's a very good question actually and this is the thing that we struggle with always with regards to commercial images versus free images and the value they provide the roi they'll provide and the cost and the cost that one has to incur in buying so in our case specifically, we use a combination of free from space agency NASA and, uh, and commercial satellites from be it Maxar or uh, Planet Labs. Now, say we struggle uh, is with say information like from uh, the commercial satellite providers or studio images. 
or thermal data, which is just coming online from companies like Satellite View or Albedo. Now, it, it becomes very difficult in a commercial for people like us, where, say, the number of clients may be lesser. And if the product price of, if I have to pay for one image, $600, $700, right? And for a product like ours, it's a weekly monitoring of an asset. So you can imagine the price of the end product that it's going to be incurred only in buying the commercial images. And there are very few companies in the world at this point of time who would be able to incur the entire, who would be willing to pay, incur the entire cost upfront without doing the ROI. And the ROI only becomes very apparent, say, after a year of using it, when they have been able to consistent, consistently use it to make business decisions, say, after a year's time they would be able to decide what is the ROI. So that becomes a very big hard hurdle in terms of adoption of new data sources or commercial data sources. And this is something that we are struggling to figure out. How do we use it in, in the initial phase? Who will be funding it? So should we fund it? Should, be, should it be funded between clients and us? Should it be divided into multiple clients? So if there's only one taker for one product, it's just very difficult to make it. If there are multiple takers for the same product, maybe it becomes more economically viable. Those are the kind of things. There are certain products which everyone needs that we are building, which for which we use commercial satellites because we, we can divide the cost and other people can use it. So each client need not pay a lot of dollars. But if there's some the new product, which you know, say there are a few customers at the beginning, how do we create the initial trust and take it to market? So the go-to market becomes very difficult when it comes to when it comes to expensive commercial satellites, actually. And I think for that, some type of partnerships with satellite companies could also help, which is not happening at this point of time. Yeah, I think it's a very important topic for the yeah. years to come, actually, because although people have been trying to reduce the cost of imagery. For the mm. last 10 years, they've still yeah. not got there. Yeah. And it's just too high for a, you no, know, if you have to buy, say, one image a month, that's also is fine for us. But if, if there are hundreds of assets that we monitor and every week that we monitor, that's when the cost becomes very high if you use expensive commercials. So from a standpoint of also, apart from the sources, it's also about cloud and the nature of mm. the cloud that you want to use. How is that evolving for companies like you? Because... Obviously, today there's Google and Amazon mm -hmm. and Microsoft who are primarily like fighting out in that space. And right. they're also, uh -huh. all of them are also now focused on space as a vertical. Right. So is this something that uh, advantages to you with the costs? Are the costs on the cloud for computing decreasing or are they, are they increasing? Or how is that impacting your the business? Because obviously that is the second bit of the cost right. and the human resource cost. Yeah, so cloud cost is a, uh, very, no, is a very important line item in our expansion. So as you, as you rightly mentioned, there are multiple cloud providers. And currently we are working with AWS and they have a lot of focus on, uh, I think, space data or space startups. So we have been lucky at this point of time to have to be to have enough credits which have been able through using which we have been able to keep our cost down but i think the cost itself is coming down with time but still is significantly higher for any startup like ours but with a lot of programs which gives credits we have been able to uh, utilize that and at this point of time, our, our, our cloud cost in terms of actual dollars paid is quite negligible thanks to multiple programs and from a standpoint of the geospatial community within mm -hmm. india what do you see or how mature do you believe because i think you might have through the couple of years that you've mm -hmm. been around now right. 
building this product. Obviously, I think you might have seen other companies or been to other geospatial events. Uh-huh. Uh, how mature do you think is the geospatial ecosystem in India? And are we at the very early stages where there's far too little companies or is there some level of maturity in terms of building these kinds of SaaS? Because I think India uh-huh. has been a very big outsourcing hub for geospatial. Yeah. Large companies have been outsourcing a lot of work. There's a lot of yeah. short type of business models being presented. A lot mm-hmm. of companies that provide individual outsourcing support or mm-hmm. rectification and these kinds of very basic changes that you can do on satellite imagery to prepare that to be absorbed. Those kinds of services have been around for a lot of time, annotation and things like that. But in terms of actually building full value SaaS businesses using geospatial, uh-huh. That is something that I don't see as much as the other. So what is your kind of assessment? I think it's maturing, it's starting. I think the major challenge is not satellite data. I think the major challenge to that is knowing the industry where we have to deploy or use, say, space space data. So let's see. And I completely understand your point going where India was primarily you know, outsourcing hub earlier, where a lot of geospatial analytics used to be done, working on data sets or providing analytics on data. So what we are, I think what we are talking about now is converting all those data sets into products, which can be, or a SaaS platform or a SaaS offering, which client can use. Uh, so I think if you look at geospatial data, now there are certain industries where geospatial data becomes more useful or more handy. It's, and it, I think it's mostly industries where it's asset heavy, heavily distributed systems, so have it distributed supply and distributed assets everywhere, which has to be managed. So oil and gas, agriculture, metal and mining, defense, shipping, all these sectors, I think, are the prime candidates for applying satellite data. Now, I think as, now, as far as I'm concerned, I think I can, for some, some other people also, whom I know. So our exposure to those industries growing up, while doing our engineering or while doing our schools our our exposure to those industries less so our exposure to say metal and mining industry to commodities industry to shipping to defense the typical engineer would not be i think exposed to such industries i think and once we get exposed i think that once we get exposed to those important industries or industries other industries where geospatial data can be applied or can be used as one of the inputs only then I think you will see more offerings for those for those players or for those industries where geospatial data can actually add value. So I think just to summarize, I think it is exposure to the industries where geospatial data can be used and add value, which is more important for, for us. Rather than, and it's not a technical challenge. I think it is more to do with exposure to the industries itself. So I was not aware of metal mining commodities where I'm working as of now to uh, say five years back so that's how drastic our learning curve has been and it's very and it's very fascinating right so all these industries traditional industries they drive our economy they are the most important parts of our economy which which everything else is dependent on and we as in, uh, we most of us are not exposed to those sectors i think exposure to those to such industries are the key where we can leverage satellite data other satellite data geospatial techniques to drive value yeah that's my thought my thought on that and from your company's perspective what is the barrier to entry in terms of cost or is it because at the end of the day upstream in space is extremely difficult to build rockets and satellites you need tens of millions of dollars and it's not very easy to enter 
that space and there's some companies that have managed to do that in India and obviously that is a very big barrier to enter yeah. given the investment landscape as well. Right. But for anybody who wants to like look at a geospatial business or so, what is the baseline foundation based on which they can really start up? Is it because your cloud gives you credits? There's a lot of free imagery mm-hmm. that is out there. From your experience, what is the kind of investment that a typical, let's say, a very bright Indian kid who wants to start a space or a geospatial company, how much of an effort it has to go in, in terms of capital and resources? I think it's less to do with capital, more to do with understanding the business statement. So I think what has to be crystal clear is which industry one has to target. And which particular problem statement one can target to which can be solved with geospatial data. And one has to, I think one has to always remember geospatial data is one of the important indi- one, one of the important inputs. There are many other inputs that goes into the final solution, which makes it usable for the end customer. Right. So one has to be cognizant of that fact. So one has to study it very well, understand, identify those pain points and then de- design a system which can use multiple data sets including geospatial data which can solve for that problem state and for that is pretty it's not mostly a function of money it's mostly a function of domain understanding so one has to understand the domain and and problem solving abilities the other systems like the other things like you no know, working with satellite data working on cloud all these things a bright engineer can figure out a satellite data is nothing but another raster data it's just that the number of layers is higher. We can interpret the layers differently. But at the end of the day, it's a, we should treat it as an input, which and it's a means to an end, which is to solve a business statement or a business problem. Clients don't care whether it comes from satellite data, it comes from any other sources. For example, in our case, the problem statement that we solve for is that high frequency data and coverage anywhere on the earth. For that particular use case, geospatial data is very it's unique in its capability that we can use geospatial data to solve that particular problem statement. So knowing those problem statements, I think is the biggest barrier to entry and knowing what else is required to solve it along with geospatial data is something that is required to make the final, build a final product, which can be used by a client. And how big is the market for Tatya and how do you see yourself evolving into a company? How large can the company get in the next, let's say, five to seven years time frame? What is your sense of growth here? We are focused on the at this point of time we are focused on the metal commodity sector right so metal commodity means steel aluminium copper nickel etc and our goal is to provide real-time supply chain intelligence for all these commodities now there are three aspects of the supply chain that we monitor first is to map in real time or near real time supply demand supply demand indicators Number two is to monitor sustainability or environmental impacts of this supply chain. Number three is to monitor climate risk to the supply chain. So anything that can impact or is affected by the supply chains, that is what we are going to monitor in the next, say, four to five years. And that itself is a very big market. We, the kind of industries that we go after or the kind of industries that we cater to are all the, so they're basically all the stakeholders to the commodities. So these are physical traders, financial institutes, metal producers, mining companies, and then downstream companies. Downstream companies means any company which buys commodities for their end product. 
so even they are impacted by the fluctuations in the commodity prices and the fluctuations in the commodity prices is basically understood if we can monitor the supply chains well so the final goal for us is to monitor prices is to predict prices of these commodities which that can be used by the different stakeholders to make appropriate business decisions so as you can see these are different different industries that we are catering to which is our very large market so in our case i think the serviceable market that we had calculated would be around 5 to 10 billion and that does not even consider the sustainability part because that is a because that is a very growing industry a lot of there's a lot of unknowns but i'm sure with the type of conversation that we are having with different participants of the supply chain that even the sustainability or the climate part is going to be a big aspect of the commodity supply chain there are clients who ask us you know, whether so if you can monitor say floods around the coal mines in australia or what is the impact of a storm in the iron ore mines in brazil what has been the impact in the ports around canada or us so all these kind of factors also if you build in so it becomes if you can imagine it becomes a holistic supply chain monitoring platform which has supply chain intelligence climate intelligence and the impact on the environment so all these factors taken together it becomes a large enough market size for us exciting market space for us to go after now at the end of the day if you can see whatever we are building is an asset monitoring platform right so if an if we open if you look at plainly or as an asset monitoring platform so we can extend or use this platform across different other adjacent industries also so oil and gas industry agriculture railways utilities all of them become lucrative industries where we can extend up at the end of the day we believe we can build a multi-billion dollar company in this space and and i think solving for important problem statements for some of the most important industries that we have in our world and yeah we are very excited about the about the future of this and the two other aspects that would be very interesting to know from you in your experience is really one the investment angle the appetite mm -hmm. for people in india indian investors essentially to understand mm -hmm. your kind of business because often i think there's a lot of people who i guess fairly have a very good understanding of e-commerce and other things where it's much mm -hmm. more mature and, and but understanding your kind of businesses where it's a SaaS platform and they need to understand either the industry or the technology or the service. Is there enough understanding to raise enough capital at different stages? Maybe you find good investors at the seed stage uh -huh. or so on. Uh -huh. So what is the appetite for understanding your kind of business at various stages of investment? The second so, aspect to this is really what is the maturity of the human resources uh -huh. in terms of ability to recruit? Is there a lot of time that you need to spend training people to get them up to speed or invest a lot in them to win them be productive for the product itself so what are your experience around this okay so let me take the first question first around investment and appetite for investors in a sector like us so we operate in the commodity sector right Side the data sets that we or technology that we use the commodities market itself is not a very lucrative market in india and as I had mentioned earlier also, I think even as I was also not exposed to the industry, I, most of the VCs or investors are also not exposed to the industry. So it's an, most people would not have any thesis-centered monitoring supply chains of commodities. No, they understand the commodities market in depth. Right? So that's an issue in India and hence the kind of capital that a company like ours in the commodity sector would be exposed to would be on the lower side so it's li very limited now but to, to to counter that point again uh 
the industry, the same commodities industry is very matured in the Western economies. We will be trying to fundraise in Singapore and US. So in Singapore, this is a bread and butter industry, right? Students are exposed to the industry from, from, the, from universities itself. There are special commodity courses, shipping courses. So people are exposed to this industry and there are, there are investors who have, have the thesis around, uh, shipping commodities working on industrial sectors who in my opinion would be the correct sources for capital for a company like us and we are talking to a few of them hopefully sometime in the first half quarter of next year we'll be able to have more traction on that yeah so uh, to your question yeah india probably is not the right place to fundraise for a company like ours but again there are certain investors now who look at companies like us from a sustainability angle because we also have uh, angle where we look at the sustainability side of the supply chain. Those are the thesis driven investors that we can speak to and who have been receptive to the product or a concept that we are working on. But the kind of understanding and reception or feedback that we get from investors in Singapore and US is very different. So they have been far more receptive to, to a product like ours and, and, and they seem to know more about the industry and seem more willing to invest in an industry like us. So that, that is to do with investment. Now, second in terms of human capital or recruiting engineers to work on product like us. Yeah, that's, I mean, compared to say a full stack engineer compared to a data, regular data science, of course, it is more difficult, but there are fantastic, I think, universities programs from where we have been able to recruit. So uh, I think a special shout out should go to the IIT Bombay's program, MS program, tech program, master's program. Their CSI department is really good. We have been able to collaborate with them, hire people from there, then own press institutes where they have trained people in remote science. Then we have also been able to train people who have a background in data science or software engineering to work on satellite images. So the training part does take some time, say for a relatively smart individual, probably it will take around a month or two to understand the nuances of satellite imagery and learn about that and then start applying all the concepts. Yeah, so these are some of the resources that we are leveraging at this point of time. And I think and the hiring has been, I would say we have been fortunate that we have been able to work with uh, I would say smart people who have been able, who have a fast learning curve and who have been able to ingest or understand new types of data sets, be it we started with optical, we went to SAR, we went to then thermal. So it's a fast learning curve for everyone. So I think the key is to work with smart people who can learn fast and adapt to different kinds of situations, different kinds of data. So yeah, that's the key, I think. And Great. India uh, having a large pool of engineers, I think there's a huge potential to work on geospatial data. Right. One of the things that I am currently discussing with a large corporate house is to potentially put up a geospatial accelerator in India. Uh-huh. I don't see any prominent geospatial technology-based programs that are dedicated because there's some commonalities there where cloud is a commonality, satellite imagery is a commonality. There may be different sources of data that are common to a large extent. So a lot of the foundational pieces that are needed can serve to a lot of interesting new companies to be formed. And based on that, there could be also exposure or a community that is built towards end users who can act as mentors to find the product market fit 
experts in infrastructure or mining or other areas, right? I see that this is something that many of the other countries do have. UK has this, the US has some of this as well. And there's a lot of other countries, but nothing really in India that I see for all of this. Do you think it's an interesting thing to have in the country? And if there's, what would be your suggestions around? I think it's very interesting. I I think the prime example of how ESA works or European Space Agency works at different companies, right? So I think what's required in the ecosystem is our, uh, uh, first of all, clients or companies would be able to adopt the solutions. So first, deciding what kind of solutions have to be built, for whom it has to be built, and who has to build them. For example, Visa, they work with they and they work with different industries, have problem statements. Then they work with startups, give grants for them to solve for their problem statement using, say, ESS data and combination of multiple data sources. So it solves the problem of capital, the initial capital, the the problem statement for us to solve for, and uh, and I think the human capital we always have. So I think what has to be onboarded first is our industries who would be build, who would open up their problem statements which can be solved using geospatial data and then the second step would be to see who would be willing to fund that through via grants and I think from there uh, I'm sure you'll be will be able to find some startups or engineers who will be able to take up those problem statements. I think those are the models I think we can look at and it has to, it has proved to be successful in other countries. I don't see any reason it can't be successful here. And I think not only Indians, I think we can look at any customers around the globe who would be willing to provide their problem statement. And I think one of the core advantages that we in India have as a SaaS business or outsourcing business is that our inherent cost structures are very low. What costs to build a product in say Paris would cost one fifth of that in India for the same quality. Everything remains the same, right? And I, th- and I think that's big advantages, very big advantage that we have to, we should take advantage, we should use that advantage to basically build up scalable businesses. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think those are the key points that we have to keep in mind when building up an accelerator like that or a, a setup like that. Kunjan, final question. What are you looking for yourself or Tatya? And is it investors? Is it people? Is it so? What is the horizon like? So, if somebody is listening in to this podcast mm-hmm. and they can reach out for something or the other, uh-huh. what would it be? I, I, we are always looking for clients and capital. And I think if you have that, will the talent pool, the engineering pool, we can hire. Great. So you guys are doing a terrific job with trying to build this out and roll this out as a thank you as a global enterprise. So uh-huh. terrific work around this and congrats on all the progress that you guys have done. And please send my regards to your colleagues. Uh, sure, I'll do. Yeah, as well. So I hope to meet you guys in person at some yeah. point of time. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Definitely. When next time you are in India, we should yeah meet up. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time in recording this with me. And uh, I'll leave the links for you guys, the website and LinkedIn profiles in the show notes for anybody to then reach out to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening in to this episode of the New Space India podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share this episode with anyone you believe will enjoy listening to it. You'll be able to find the New Space India podcast in any of the podcasting platforms that you may be using, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and others. Do subscribe to the podcast in case you want to receive new episodes automatically. I'm grateful if you're able to leave a rating for the podcast, which will help others discover it. 
Thank you for listening in again and the next episode will be out in the next two weeks as usual.